The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Hey. Hey. So what brings you home? Aside from concocting a ridiculously huge dessert. Kudos, by the way. I hate it when we argue. Me too. Why can't I go out there and define myself? No, I get it. It's just that I want... Dad, look, I know. I know you want to keep me safe, but... The only way to do that is wrap me in bubble wrap and hide me in a cave. Believe me, I've thought about it. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, October 15th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be should be no surprise to anyone that in the end, a system called socialism would ultimately prove to be anti-social. <laughs> Preventing us from socializing with one another, not only publicly, but privately, even within our own families, has become a political priority of our governments worldwide. Today's show is all about socialist distancing and the forced loneliness of collectivism. And our discussion will get underway right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on channel 292 shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcast. As always, consider offering your financial support. Everyone who donates $25 or more will receive a copy of the 52-page full-color publication, Climate Essentials. It was Thanksgiving Day this past Monday in Canada, and that's a time when families and friends get together on, ironically, a state-mandated official holiday, mandated for a common pause for the precise purpose of allowing such gatherings. And yet, here in my province of Ontario, Canada, here is a sampling of some of the headlines and stories that appeared only days before the Thanksgiving holiday. Headline, Say No to Family, Eat Turkey at Home, Second COVID Wave, Canadians Asked to Join in Virtual Thanksgivings, appeared in the National Post on October 7th, written by Mike Blanchfield. And I quote, Canadians should celebrate Thanksgiving virtually this weekend to avoid spreading COVID-19, Federal Health Minister Patty Hajdu said Tuesday. Hajdu's advice came at the second government health briefing in as many days as COVID-19 cases continue to rise across the country, with Quebec and Ontario leading the way. Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's chief public health officer, said case counts across the country have risen to an average of 1,951 a day over the most recent seven days. It's been a challenging week, and virtual dinners, although less appealing than an in-person gathering, can make a difference in reducing the spread of COVID, Hajdu said. Saying no to friends and close ones is an act of love. End quote. Isn't that sweet? You know, it's difficult to find the proper words to adequately express my disgust with Canada's so-called health officials. But here's another one. Headline, avoid turkey day trips as cases climb. 
Top Doc Says, and this appeared in the London Free Press on October 6th by Jennifer Beeman. Quote, the London area's top public health official is urging people to cut their number of close contacts and avoid Thanksgiving travel to virus hotspots, as the area attended 19 new COVID-19 cases since Friday, almost half of them people over 40. Middlesex London Health Unit reported seven new cases both Sunday and Monday and five on Saturday, bringing the area's total COVID-19 case count to 902 so far during the pandemic. Of the seven new cases Monday, all but one stemmed from close contact with confirmed cases, Medical Officer of Health Chris Mackey said. On Friday, the province urged people to avoid close contact with people outside their households as case counts continue to surge in Toronto, Peel Region, and Ottawa. Mackey urges Londoners planning Thanksgiving visits to those areas to rethink their plans. He added that London residents heading to communities with low COVID-19 activity could pose a risk too. Quote, if you end up going to a hometown that has lower rates of the disease, you might be exporting some of the problems that haven't hit those smaller communities yet. Our best advice is to find an alternative way of gathering for Thanksgiving, end quote. I mean, you just can't win here whether you go to a high area of COVID cases or a low area. They want you to stay home. That's the bottom line. What's, what's, what is the point of all the other justifications and reasonings? Why don't they just issue a law and say, stay home or we'll shoot you? Because that's where it's going. Here's another headline. Top doc to out-of-town scholars. Give thanks here. Again by Jennifer Beeman, London Free Press on October 8th. Quote, Premier Doug Ford again urged Ontarians to limit Thanksgiving gatherings to people in their own households. Ford asked Ontarians to scrap any extended family or reunions planned for the long weekend. That means sitting down to dinner with only the people you live with, he said Wednesday. Those who live alone, he added, can pair up with one other household. End quote. Can't believe what I'm reading here. I'm utterly stunned that any individual in this country, whether prime minister or pauper, could possibly believe that he or she has the right to make up such arbitrary and irrational rules on a whim. And on a daily basis, no due process of law, no due process of informing the public of what the law is. A lot of people don't see these articles in the paper. They don't even know what's going on. This is pure fascism. No more, no less. And it has been with us quite some time here in my province of Ontario. I wrote about it all back in the 1980s in an essay entitled fascism and frogs that you can still find on the website of the Freedom Party of Ontario or hear me read on a past episode of Just Right. And further to this theme, I got this disturbing email from listener Trevor D, whose only comment in his message was, more fascism, quote unquote. And attached to his email was a reproduction of a notice he received from his employer, whom I shall keep anonymous, but which read as follows. Quote, all staff, the Government of Ontario has now mandated that our company, as part of Schedule Area 3, conduct daily COVID screening questionnaires for each employee before they enter the workplace. This is effective immediately. You are required to submit this questionnaire to your appropriate manager each and every time you start a new shift. It must be signed and dated as we are required to compile a physical logbook of all staff scheduling. 
In the event that you answer yes to any of the questions, then please do not enter the premises and contact your manager alerting them to the fact. You should self-isolate immediately and contact your health care provider or Telehealth Ontario to find out if you need a COVID test. Non-compliance of this regulation could mean fines and or closure of the workplace. So please be diligent and keep our company safe. Thank you. End quote. And here are the required screening questions. And I quote, 1. Do you have any of the following new or worsening symptoms or signs? Symptoms should not be chronic or related to other known causes or conditions. Yes or no? Fever or chills? Difficulty breathing or shortness of breath? Cough? Sore throat? Trouble swallowing? Runny nose? Stuffy nose? Nasal congestion? Decrease or loss of smell or taste? Nausea? Vomiting? Diarrhea? Abdominal pain? Not feeling well? Extreme tiredness? Sore muscles. Number two, have you traveled outside of Canada in the past 14 days? Yes or no. Number three, have you had close contact with a confirmed or probable case of COVID-19? Yes or no. If the individual answers no to all questions from one through three, they have passed and can enter the workplace. If the individual answers yes to any questions from one through three, they have not passed and should be advised that they should not enter the workplace, including any outdoor or partially outdoor workplace. They should go home and self-isolate immediately and contact their health care provider or Telehealth Ontario to find out if they need a COVID-19 test, end quote. Can't believe it. Unbelievable. Fascism indeed, Trevor. That's an understatement. They even expect you to report yourself to authorities. Is there a fine for having answered yes to one of the questions and going home and not contacting Telehealth Ontario? Are they going to check up on you? This isn't about COVID-19, but it's all about tracing and tracking people, which is their long-term objective. And let's be clear, reporting SARS-CoV-2 cases is meaningless. It has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't mean a disease. It doesn't mean a hospitalization. It just means you're walking around with the virus, like most of us probably are. This is all calculated to frighten you into getting a vaccine so that they won't have to go to the trouble to force you to comply later. You know, I heard a Canadian Liberal government official on mainstream radio a few days back who made it abundantly clear that these continuous mask mandates and threats of lockdowns will not end until everyone gets a vaccine. And that could be years away, if ever. Give your heads a shake, people. And sure enough, on October 8th, (laughs) I receive an email from Joelle B. addressed to me at Freedom Party, bearing the subject heading, Quote, employee COVID-19 screening tool mandatory to meet new government regulations, end quote. And it reads as follows, and I quote again. Hello, Robert. On September 25th, the Ontario government deemed it mandatory for employers to pre-screen each employee for COVID-19 prior to arriving on site for work. This has to be done on a daily basis. We have built a solution that can be deployed in under an hour and will ensure you can easily maintain compliance. The solution is only $200 a month per location it is deployed. Below you will find a short demo video. I have also attached a government document on which the plan is based and a screenshot of how it would look from the user's cell phone. I'll make myself available at any time to provide more detail or get you set up, end quote. See how quickly the parasites of fascism are at the ready 
to create an explosion of ever more bureaucracy to control our every action? The very idea of this is immoral. It is unconscionable. Shame on Doug Ford and the Ontario government for ever having sunk as low as this, and shame on anyone for going along with it or trying to make money off it. Talk about... A, this is evil. Doug Ford is transmitting the virus of fascism and is doing it intentionally. And we, did, we need a political vaccine of freedom to cure this disease. And then, on the very heels of receiving all these new fascist orders, we get yet another contradictory piece of advice from the World Health Organization. So on this side of our upcoming bumper break, we will find Carl Vernon speaking on October 11th from England on a rather confusing recent development, followed immediately by the rebel media's Andrew Chapados reporting on the province of Ontario, Canada, while on the return side of our bumper, we'll be hearing from Ireland's Dave Cullen, as heard on October 6th. I could have added reports from Australia and Europe, and we would have observed the same patterns everywhere. Every one of these jurisdictions is going through precisely the same propaganda campaign enforced with the same fascist measures to prevent people from associating with one another. Coincidence? The WHO have come out to say that they are against lockdown measures. The question that I've got is kind of like, why now? Us in England, right here, we're waiting for Boris to come out tomorrow and discuss greater restrictions, locking down the north, locking down and shutting pubs and restaurants, locking down the hospitality sector, potentially more areas going in lockdown. We've always had this potential national lockdown looming over us that that could happen any moment too if we're not following the rules. So why have the WHO come out now to say that they don't support lockdowns. Why have they said that they now support the Great Barrington Declaration? The same thing that the Trump administration are backing. We've mentioned this previously. It's got over 10,000 signatures of experts across the world, doctors, scientists, epidemiologists like Dr. Gupta from Oxford University, all coming out to say that measures like lockdown don't work and we should be scrapping that as a strategy because it just causes disaster. Now the WHO are backing that, just off the back of that being censored. I don't know. I'm just intrigued why now, especially when you look at situations across the world like in Victoria and Australia where the lockdown draconian measures are so bad when it comes to the restrictions you've got police officers walking around like the military there enforcing this stuff so that's happening right now as I mentioned in this country we're waiting for Boris to come out tomorrow to tell us what these stronger restrictions are going to be so why now? Ontario saw a record high 939 cases on October 9th Meaning, of course, we need to shut down bars, gyms, and any other place that people go to for exercise or for fun. The cases in intensive care have barely moved and remains around 50 for the entire province. That's 50 people for almost 400 hospitals and about 230 patients for COVID altogether. That means if you put one person with COVID in each hospital, you would still have more than 150 hospitals without any COVID patients at all. 
Yet for some reason, Premier Doug Ford is giving more money to healthcare workers and now shutting down businesses for 28 days. You heard it right. After giving billions of dollars to increase hospital capacity and increasing wages significantly, Ontario hospitals are now laying off nurses, citing financial challenges. Hmm, that's a little weird. They've stopped elective and sometimes life-saving procedures to make way for COVID patients, but there aren't enough, so now we have to give them more money to clear the backlog of people waiting for these treatments. Funny how that works, isn't it? Previously, we told you about how a COVID case doesn't actually mean you've tested positive. You can just be around a place where others have. If you're looking for a better definition from the government, well, I'm sorry to tell you there isn't one. They just say the word outbreak and case closed. Not literally, of course. But now, there are new reports coming out that in addition to cases not being cases and adding deaths and cases from months ago, the death count for Ontario actually includes people who didn't actually die from COVID-19. Toronto's Associate Medical Officer of Health says this, Individuals who have died with COVID-19, but not necessarily as a result of COVID-19, are all included in the case counts for COVID-19 deaths in Toronto. Seems logical, doesn't it? While gym, bar, and restaurant owners get destroyed over inflated numbers, hospitals and school boards rake in the money. Your money. You don't get to decide where your tax dollars are going anymore, and apparently, neither do the people you voted for. Unelected regional doctors get to suggest their colleagues get more money for less work, quite literally, while people die. We've also, during a pandemic, managed to find half a billion dollars for electric car assembly. So healthcare workers, teachers unions, and green energy sectors? Doug Ford is basically a progressive now. This person who ran on open for business and balancing the budget apparently has found billions and billions of dollars to spend while he shuts down other people's businesses. Remember, he's for the people. The National Public Health Emergency Team has basically recommended that the government put Ireland back into nationwide level 5 lockdown, so as predicted, a second lockdown is being suggested. Case numbers are increasing from increased testing, of course, but death numbers remain on the floor and nothing out of the ordinary for this time of year. The Irish government has decided to reject this advice and instead do to the entire country what's already being done to Dublin place everywhere in level 3. Ivor Cummins has brilliantly explained in his videos the case-demic phenomenon. So case-demics, we've had this hysteria in the UK and Ireland and all over Europe actually from June to September 2020. And a case-demic quite simply can be shown here. In a real epidemic you have cases rising and falling by the viral curve, largely independent of lockdowns. And now we have coming into autumn cases rising rapidly. But a lot of these are due to false positives. But let's look at the deaths. In the real epidemic, they rose, sadly. The susceptible were affected. But the epidemic was over, really, in May 2020. Let's look now at the impacts in a case-demic. And as you can see, you can barely see them. There's still less than one person per million per day with a positive PCR test uh, sadly passing. So that's a case-demic. The case-demic situation is happening across Europe right now, including in Ireland, and increased PCR testing, which is rife with false positives and also detects fragments of dead coronaviruses that most people have, as well as immunity for COVID-19, this is what's being used to justify the curtailment of some of the most basic human rights, 
By the way, in the UK, flu and pneumonia killed 10 times more Brits than coronavirus again last week. With the fear of a second lockdown, now an ongoing threat that can be wheeled out whenever the government wants to terrify the public back into submission, I'm already hearing that more shops and other private businesses are going to enforce masks more stringently. You'll likely see more people buying into the narrative out of fear because they're even more demoralized and they're desperate to try to appease the government. They believe that if they behave like good boys and girls and do what the teacher tells them, that they won't get detention. I learned a great deal over the weekend during the latest Yellow Vest protest in Dublin. It began at the Custom House Quay and concluded with a march through town all the way to Grafton Street for a sit-down protest. There, the crowd chanted to the general public to take off their masks, and some people actually did. It felt like we were truly piercing the bubble of mainstream public consciousness. The reactions from the public ranged from supportive to confused, disapproving, and all the way to outright disgust. I saw more than one mask wearer walking by, shaking their head with utter contempt for us, as if they were repulsed by the very sight of another human being without a mask on. Maybe they were infuriated that there's some people out there who genuinely don't think like they do. It's extraordinary how human beings can be so comprehensively reprogrammed in just a few short months that suddenly wearing a mask becomes second nature to them. It's like 1984. We've always been at war with COVID-19. We've always worn masks. They've truly fallen for the insidious anti-human agenda of brainwashing the populace into being disgusted by their own humanity and the humanity of others. It's a very dangerous precedent. So much so, they now see another person walking towards them as a disgusting bag of toxic bio-waste. Everyone seems to have obsessive-compulsive disorder. Everyone seems to be a germaphobe, engaged in a pattern of ritualistic behaviours that are fundamentally based on paranoia and irrational fear. The left goes on and on about how everyone who disagrees with them and their talking points is, for example, homophobic or transphobic, Islamophobic or xenophobic, whatever. It's ironic, then, that the globalists and the media have convinced most of the hypnotized masses to be genuinely afraid of their own species, which is humophobia. Humophobia is rife in Dublin, which is the fear of other human beings. A number of us got into conversation with some mask wearers. I listened to their concerns, and it did give me a new appreciation for where their minds are at. The young people especially are on autopilot. It's interesting to consider the Zoomer generation and the younger millennials who grew up being naturally pro-government because they were put into daycare. And from a very young age, they became accustomed to having an authority figure that wasn't their parents. And they were indoctrinated, of course, in the school system throughout their young lives. They don't fear authority. They are a product of authority. So following government orders blindly feels intuitive and natural to them. They're in a state of arrested development. They will always feel somewhat infantilized by the state. On the opposite side of the spectrum, there are the boomers, the older generation, who I find are fearful of authority. They respect doctors, politicians, news presenters and scientists as if they were high priests of a religion. They treat them with unquestioning trust and reverence. So that's two different generations on either side of the spectrum, two different motivations, for what is ultimately the same outcome, blind obedience to authority. 
On his YouTube channel, Dave Cullen also posted another video of a speech given by Ireland's Nationalist Party leader, Justin Barrett, whose best line in the speech was about how he responds to being labeled quote-unquote far-right. What he says is, not far-right, just right so far. <laughs> I love it. It certainly is apropos to the COVID-19 crisis. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you might recall that we were talking about the secular right and the religious right, who are together fighting an uphill battle against the secular and religious left in each of their respective political camps. During the course of my research on that show, I ran across a news report that in turn cited a Pew report contrasting the religious knowledge of atheists with that of those who are religious. And that uncovered a remarkable principle that I think applies universally to many other issues beyond the religious one to which it was applied. And here's the headline of that article. Atheists and agnostics know more about religion than other nuns. Written by David G. on August 22, 2019, as reported on what appears to be an atheist website called pathos.com. Quote, Among those who considered themselves religiously unaffiliated, otherwise known as the nuns, and that's N-O-N-E-S, atheists and agnostics know the most about religion. In addition to atheists and agnostics, the nuns include those who say their religion is nothing in particular. That latter group knows less about religion than those who don't believe or aren't sure about the existence of God in the first place, according to the Pew Research Center. Atheists and agnostics know more about religion than most other religious groups, while people who identify as nothing in particular are among the least knowledgeable. The study further revealed that nuns tend to know at least the basics of the Christian tradition beliefs and that atheists know just as much about Christianity as believers themselves. Atheists, and to a lesser extent agnostics, are on par with Catholics and Protestants in correctly answering questions about Catholicism and Protestantism. Even more interestingly, atheists and agnostics are also the most knowledgeable about subjects unrelated to the Christian religion. They outperformed every group except Jews on other traditions. It is well known that atheists tend to know more about religion than believers. After all, learning about religions is the very thing that made many of us atheists in the first place, end quote, and so wrote the author of that article. And as true as that is, it is also true that learning about religions is the very thing that makes a lot of people believers, too. But it doesn't affect the principle. If you are a knowledgeable person about the whole COVID-19 narrative, then you're probably among those who've been accused of being a conspiracy theorist or someone who's ignorant of the facts that are being daily spewed in the mainstream media. In the same way that atheists are knowledgeable about their religions and the religious falsehoods that they reject, so too are so-called COVID deniers knowledgeable about the COVID religion they reject. And those are all the COVID falsehoods. The tragic irony in how the left has twisted the narrative about COVID-19 is that it is not the so-called COVID deniers who are the problem, it's the COVID believers. The true believers in everything that authority dictates. This again explains the left-right polarity over COVID. The left blindly adheres to authority without any necessity of applying reality or reason, 
while the right always questions authority and always insists on something to do with reason and reality. So those currently living under the illusion that the COVID-19 lockdowns and controls have anything to do with a virus, which is still a sizable majority, they have now themselves become a major threat to civilization, and I do not say that lightly. Their ignorance about or acceptance of the fascist measures being wielded daily by our own once-considered democratic politicians is no longer an excuse for them to comply. And I'm not alone in thinking this way, and so I guess I consider myself very fortunate that I discovered the following analysis of our fascist crisis and our acceptance of it expressed far more eloquently than I could have made that case myself. Polly St. George regularly posts commentaries to her YouTube and BitChute channels. You may recall that we first featured her voice on the show a few weeks back when she painted an incredibly clear picture of how we are all being literally tortured by our own politicians and bureaucrats over COVID-19. Her following commentary was inspired by a recent YouTube video that went viral and which accounted for the title she chose for her commentary. Quote, it's your funeral, end quote. Now, because that video was entirely visual without any substantive audio, and this is just a podcast, I will briefly describe what happens in the video. The short scene takes place in a funeral home, where a minister is just beginning to speak about the deceased, whose widow is sitting at the front of the room alone and isolated from about seven to ten other people around her. All are social distancing and are themselves sitting alone on chairs separated by at least two meters or more. As the minister begins to speak, two of the funeral attendees, apparently sons of the widow, move their chairs to either side of their mother to give personal comfort as she mourns. And in walks the funeral director and orders them to keep their distance from each other. An order to which they both comply once again leaving their mother sitting alone in her grief. Now on the surface, the whole scene seemed kind of subtle and uneventful, and yet it demonstrated a phenomenon that Pauli St. George calls the banality of evil. This video took place, the incident took place at a funeral home recently. This video infuriates me, and I threw it out to my uh, fans, followers, people in general on Twitter. And I said, this is beyond words, the banality of evil. What is worse though, the totally dehumanized administrator or the people who go along with it? Serious question. And right now I want to go through a few of the answers and I want to give my thoughts. I don't want anyone here to feel like that whose answers I chose to feel picked on. I have no hard feelings for you. You just gave good examples of things that I wanted to talk about. And um, I should say many, many, the vast majority of the responses that I got to this question were just people being disgusted by the whole thing. The whole spectacle is just revolting. Um, but so a few people gave answers that I would like to speak to. So here, first of all, Dr. Fred 57 said people are afraid to not go along with it because the police would probably be called in who would be happy to tase someone not complying. And then Emma Pony says the people aren't wrong. They are grieving and trying to be peaceable. They might have upset their mom if they'd argued. 
and rhetorical delusion says, I think they were in a state of grief and didn't want to remember a fight at the funeral or worse, get kicked out of the family member's service, but probably later wished they'd put their feet down and stayed with their mother. These are all totally reasonable points, really good points, but that's why I say this is the banality of evil. People are afraid that the police might be called. There comes a point when you have to say, so what? Because you have a choice there. You can do the right thing and have the police be called and, and who cares? You can live through a tasing. You can live through what the police will do to you. You can live through it. It won't be pleasant. But if you lose your humanity, if you fail to comfort your mother in her time of grief at the funeral of your father, then you are pretty much apt to do anything after that because you know deep down on a deep level, and so does everyone who witnessed it, that you gave up on your humanity to obey corrupt authority. Secondly, this whole thing about not wanting to upset the mom, they were in a state of grief and didn't want to remember a fight at the funeral. I, I understand this, and this is sort of what I call the tyranny of manners. There comes a point when causing a stink is so worth it. Lots of times that choice might be fine. If you're sitting at a dinner table, someone says something awkward, you don't have to ruin the whole dinner party over it. But when it comes to setting the foundations of what you will and will not accept in your midst, in your behavior, something serious, look, you have to take the reins and make the call. Would the dad's funeral have been upset? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe the mother would have felt, yes, this is what we need. My husband is already dead. I can grieve at home privately. But at this moment, in this funeral setting, I am not going to let a petty tyrant remove the love and connection that is supposed to happen at this thing. It's The, the fact is that funeral is already ruined, not by the sons, had they stood up to this man, but by the way they're making them carry it out, by the bureaucracy, by the petty tyrants, and you need to stand up to them. Someone else said, actually, the government officials that are forcing the funeral homes to abide by these senseless rules are ultimately responsible. They have indoctrinated fear of closing their business, so these people are acting more out of self-preservation. This, Yes, I, I understand the thought, but we still do have a choice. Nobody is being forced, actually. The options are bad. It's a double bind. It is. Being that, here's my response, being that both options in our choice are so terrible, pick the one that reinforces your virtue and integrity and strength. Exercise your courage. Exercise your virtue. Exercise your love. They were only wanting to express love towards their mother. Compassion, they wanted to be together. They're a family. They're bonded. There's, there's a literal energetic bond between people. And they wanted to be there for their mother in grief. I think when it all shook out, even if the mother was upset for five minutes at the funeral or even half a day afterwards, 
she would understand that the preservation of that energetic familial bond is all important. This momentary fight with some funeral home director, enforcer, is nothing. In fact, it will tighten those bonds if everybody's thinking on the same page. And then these people are acting out of self-preservation. Wrong. You're delaying the inevitable. If you keep going along, going along, going along, you look at the end of the road and it's a cliff. So it's not self-preservation. It's a temporary reprieve from the inevitable. But every step you take, going along with it, brings you closer to the cliff. It sends a message to everyone around that we are all agreed we will just march towards this cliff. Finally, another person responded to my tweet about the funeral home. Gaslighting repair says the Milgram experiment in real life. And it is kind of that. In the Milgram experiment, people in lab coats, white coats, scientists, challenged a person to give an electric shock to a test subject who was seated in the other room if that test subject gave a wrong answer to a quiz question. And every time they got another answer wrong, the lab coat scientists told the subject that was flipping the switches to up the voltage. And the person hooked up to the wires in the other room, who was an actor, would scream out in pain, increasing, increasingly begging for the experiment to stop. And the doctor, the experiment was actually to see how far the guy pressing the button would go. How far would he go if someone in a lab coat told him to do it? Well, this is what we're experiencing now with COVID. How far will you go for these things you know are obviously wrong? How, how, what will you go along with it? And just how far along with it will you go? Will you fight your fellow man? Will you shock us until we were screaming in pain because a white lab coat told you to? That funeral director will. And all the people making excuses for the funeral director will. And perhaps that the sons who at first moved to comfort their mother, I think they would do it too. Because I hate to say it, and I'm not trying to be cruel to those sons. I know they were confused and in grief. But essentially, they did shock their mother. Essentially, they did push the button and break her heart and send a wave of sadness through her. Abandonment. All of the people in that room knew at that moment that they would choose authority figures over their own family members. That's what happened there. So it makes me very sad. And we do it now every day because of this 
very survivable virus that's going around because of the common cold, basically. Because of the common cold. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. What we heard is a very haunting and, in my opinion, accurate assessment of the banality of evil, as expressed by the amazing Polly. And now we can see why the title of her presentation, It's Your Funeral, takes on several meanings that express fundamental truths about the human condition. Notice how so many of the people who were apologizing for those complying were all acting through some expression of altruism. Remember, altruism is not charity. It is sacrifice, and we could see the sacrifices being made there. And given what we just heard from Polly, I simply had to insert this quick audio bite from Rebel News. Now, on this past Tuesday, the 13th, Rebel News reported that Chris Sakacha, otherwise known as Chris Sky, has been charged with breaking the Federal Quarantine Act, which comes with a maximum fine of $1 million plus a year in jail. I only learned about this as I was wrapping up the show, but in his interview with Rebel Media's David Menzies, here's what Chris Sky had to say about mandated mask wearing. Well, it's like, uh, it's like this. They want you to know that what they're telling you to do is stupid. Everybody knows science didn't change in the last few months that they didn't think, you don't think they've done tests on viruses and masks for the last decades and decades and decades. They know that those masks do not help with viruses. That's why they told you not to wear it. But now, if they can tell you to do something that you know is wrong and you still go along with it, you're diminishing your self-respect. And when they can make you diminish your self-respect, they can make you go along with more and more egregious things. And that's what they're doing it for. It's about control. It's not about safety. Bingo. And this is exactly the process that was being described by Polly. And by the way, when the World Health Organization originally advised us not to wear masks, that advice was the correct advice. And now today, with their sudden announcement that lockdowns are not advised, we see yet another reversal of position from an organization that our politicians cite as their ultimate authority for their own homegrown fascism. I realize that many of the people who are still living in terror due to some genuine fear of a virus are truly unaware of what is happening to them. And for them, their temporary ignorance is bliss. They have no clue what's going on, that what they are experiencing is an entirely political attack on their individual freedom and on Western democracies. And yes, we have to be aware of what is driving their fear. But their ignorance is not bliss for the rest of us, and will eventually cease to be so for them. And those of us who are knowledgeable about what is happening have every right to impose upon the ignorant their own standard of altruism, if you will. Use their own altruistic arguments against them, but in reverse. Explain that by wearing masks out of sheer compliance, they are a direct threat to the lives, liberty, and property of each and every one of us, not just our grandmothers. So if you care about others, please remove your masks. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out looking for personal confrontations, but when challenged yourself, and if the approach described by Polly, a simple smile and tolerance, turns out not to work, you might want to consider using their own standard of moral altruism against them. Something has to eventually wake them up to the real political agenda that they have become a victim of. It's called the Great Reset, and it has always been the goal of the international left to impose global totalitarianism on all of us. And coming up next 
is Jason Seiler of Blue Collar Logic on October 12th to expand on this phenomenon. But the first voice you'll hear is that of longtime leftist totalitarian Jane Fonda. We can stop fascism. We are at a point where we can, this is a crossroads. It's an existential crossroads. And, and we are people who can help determine which way humanity goes. What a great gift. What a tremendous opportunity. We're just so lucky. We have to use it with every ounce of intelligence and courage uh, and wherewithal we have, because you're absolutely right. This is it. This is it. And, um, you know, I just think um, COVID is God's gift to the left. <laughs> Maybe Jane Fonda is God's gift to the right. And what I mean by that is that she's dumb enough to say what we know Democrats believe. They're happy that a disease is killing Americans, and they look at it as a gift from God. We keep telling you all about the left, but some of you just don't get it. They wanted two million of us to die. That's who the left are. In every place the left have taken control, it's led to people dying, and that's okay with them because it's all for the greater good. Her argument is that this pandemic has exposed Donald Trump for who he is. He's a fascist dictator wannabe. He's like Hitler, she tells us. Of course, there's never been any proof of Trump acting like a fascist, and it's obvious because they use things like Trump gave a speech from a balcony and so did Mussolini, and that somehow makes him a fascist. This pandemic has actually done the opposite of what Fonda says. It's exposed Democrats as being fascistic. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti ordered the power and water services to private homes be shut off because they had large gatherings. And he even deployed city workers and volunteers to find businesses that are disobeying his orders. And he set up a website for people to snitch on businesses that are open when they're not allowed to be. Governor Whitmer of Michigan threatened consequences for any health professional that gives hydroxychloroquine to anyone for COVID-19. And the Democratic governor of Rhode Island ordered that anyone entering Rhode Island from New York State by any means of ground transportation must provide personal information to authorities and self-quarantine for 14 days. There are so many examples of the fascistic left to talk about, but I think you get the point. Now let's go back to why Jane Fonda said that COVID is a gift from God. Of course it's because she thinks it'll help get Joe Biden elected. But why does she want Democrats in power? because she wants the left to be able to control our lives. With more power, she thinks the left can save the planet from climate change. And if you're a person who wants to choose how to live your own life, what we've seen from Democrats in 2020 should scare the heck out of you. And it should provide you with an understanding of the kinds of things they're going to do once they get enough power and scare enough people about climate change. The number of deaths related to COVID have been inflated. There's no question about that. And they have been to blame Donald Trump and to get him out of office. A lot of people who don't believe that will say, but what about all the countries around the world? Are they also lying to hurt Trump's chances of being reelected? Actually, yeah. Many are doing it for the same reason. And it's not just about Trump, but he is the most powerful man in the world and he stands in their way. If the left want worldwide power, they need an American president who will go along with their far left agenda. Just look at the Great Reset being pushed by the World Economic Forum. 
It's the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation that engages the foremost political, business, and cultural leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. You see, Donald Trump won't take part in that nonsense. He puts America first. That doesn't work for the left because they have to have control of the whole world to see their vision achieved. And that's why they're happy that COVID-19 has given them the opportunity to take us further left. Here's what the World Economic Forum says about this opportunity. Quote, As we enter a unique window of opportunity to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economies, the priorities of societies, the nature of business models, and the management of global commons. Drawing from the vision and vast expertise of the leaders engaged across the forum's communities, the Great Reset Initiative has a set of dimensions to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. Unquote. That all sounds fine and dandy, but they're basically saying that capitalism as we know it is bad and a communist system more like China's is preferred. Here's the founder of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, in his own words. And of course, here China, in this new geopolitical and geoeconomic context, plays an enormous role. So it was very appropriate to invite the president uh, to join us and uh, he, as the leader of the country, to talk to us about the future's engagement of China in global affairs and the leadership role China will assume in determining and constructing our global future. Now, Joe Biden has recently started talking tough on China, but don't let that fool you. He helped them get into the World Trade Organization, which eliminated millions of American jobs. Donald Trump is trying to fix the problems that Joe and the corrupt political establishment have created. He wants to put America first. And that's the reason they hate him so much. And it's the reason they're scaring us to death about COVID-19 and climate change. And it's why they support civil unrest and letting violent criminals out of jail. They want chaos because that provides an opportunity for them to gain control of our country and the world. They're going to use climate change like they've used COVID as a reason to shut down businesses, restrict our travel, and lock us in our homes, and so on. That's their new normal, for them to control our lives in the name of saving the world. I'm afraid that this election comes down to a choice between us deciding America's fate or giving that decision to globalists who want to put China at the head of the table. And that's the simple truth. People need to see examples of resistance. That's why I never, ever wear a mask. I never wear a mask and I've never been stopped from buying anything that I want. Um, I'll just tell you the story. The other day I was in the dollar store. Not proud of myself for that, but you know, there's limited options of where to buy things, where things are available anymore. Um, I was in the dollar store, I was minding my own business, and it was quite crowded up at the cash, but I was further down the aisle. And a woman yells to the cashiers that they should kick me out because I'm not wearing a mask. And I just stood there and smiled down the aisle in their direction the whole time. And she ranted on for a little while, and they did nothing. They did nothing. They didn't come near me. I didn't even get involved. I didn't say a word. But that woman had to stand there in line 
knowing she'd just made a spectacle of herself with all these people. Um, it was kind of sweet. So what I'm saying to you here is let them do what they want. You do what's right for you, right? I know. I know a lot of people already know this and maybe I sound preachy. I don't know if I sound preachy. I apologize if I do, but I, I want to say how I see it. I think we need a lot of voices out there saying this stuff. So I'm just another one. I shouldn't smile at the end of this because it isn't funny. But if I don't smile, it would indicate that I've, I've essentially given over to this machine and I have not. I know there are, there are thousands of well-educated, well-spoken doctors, lawyers, public health escapees, even a guy from Pfizer, regular citizens who have been studying this stuff for years, and just moms and dads and entrepreneurs standing up, spreading the truth, being brave. It's happening. So now is the time to jump on board, add your voice, stop being afraid. Now. I know we are at like we are at the tipping point and it could go either way. So I have to smile because I see a bright future. Once we defeat these people. And it is probably going to get worse before it gets better. Once we defeat them, we need to make the renaissance and the only way we will have it in us to create the renaissance at the end of this battle is if we retain our humanity, our virtue, our courage. If we can if we can put our heads down on the pillows at night and know we did what we could. Because otherwise we'll be broken people, and broken people are not capable of rebuilding a better world. So, hang on tight. It is your most precious possession, your integrity. Keep it. Be brave. Broken people are not capable of building a better world. Wow. Have they broken us yet? That's the big question, isn't it? And what's the better world? Klaus Schwab of the so-called Davos crowd is saying that capitalism as we know it is bad. And that's a remarkable statement since capitalism still remains the unknown ideal, as the title of Ayn Rand's book of the same name so clearly explained more than half a century ago. The capitalism we know today is not capitalism. And people like Schwab, who make such statements, have been anti-capitalist from the word go, as has been the whole Davos crowd. By the way, I just heard that Davos 2021 has been postponed and actually will be moved from Davos. But that's another story. But in that crowd, you'll find the likes of Klaus Schwab, UN Secretary General Boutras, Prince Charles, Bill Gates, the head of MasterCard, and yes, the Pope himself had this little item texted to me by Paul McKeever on October 10th, and this is from clearnewswire.com, and the headline reads, Pope Francis says new world order needs to happen now with United Nations in charge, and I quote, In his latest Fratelli Tutti, Brothers All encyclical letter, Pope Francis issues a plea for the nations of the world to hand their reins of power over to the United Nations, which Francis says will lead us all to the new world order. Francis says nations need legal limits to prevent them from becoming too powerful individually, meaning a stripping of their sovereignty, end quote. 
And of course, the Catholic Church's open opposition to capitalism has been expressed in its encyclicals for as long as I've been alive. And even Ayn Rand cited Pope Paul VI's encyclical, Populorum Progressio, which means on the development of peoples, quote, as a manifesto of an impassioned hatred for capitalism, but its evil is much more profound and its target is more than mere politics, end quote. Rand cited how Pope Paul VI decried private ownership and the profit motive as part of industrialization. Now, we haven't got much time, but here are some quick concluding points about the Great Reset, some basic points you need to keep in mind. Number one, it's not a conspiracy theory, okay? It is open and publicly declared, led by what Bishop Fulton Sheen described as the elite, through a political process he called elitism. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum has said that we need to reinvent capitalism, which is an immediate contradiction in terms, since capitalism is what it is, an economic system free of coercion. The globalists want to make coercion the operative principle of their reinvented capitalism. And see how they always keep attaching their pure evils onto labels that mean the opposite? And stakeholder capitalism, which is what Schwab proposes, is the kind of capitalism the elitist stakeholders want. But as is always the case, when you put an adjective in front of the word capitalism, it is no longer capitalism, period. Worse, the Davos crowd is still pushing the contradictory concept of public and private partnerships, meaning some kind of partnership between business and government. But the word partnership implies equality, and the government is the only partner that has a gun. Business, in order to be justifiably called business, has to rely on consent as its market operative principle, not on a gun and forcing people to buy. Remember, the left believes that the end justifies the means. But the problem with the left is that there never is an end, no ultimate social condition that is ever achieved under collectivism. And that is why, generation after generation, collectivists keep promising some utopia at the end of the horror that they use on the way to that utopia. Just like they've been doing with their COVID-19 agenda. Oh, just two weeks. Just wait two weeks. Oh, no, we'll just extend it a little more. Always it's done that way. That's what makes it so clear what is driving this. The right recognizes that the end and means are always the same. That's why freedom and capitalism represent both the means and the end. And that is why, so long as those on the left are in charge of anything, these lockdowns and submissions to mask wearing and social distancing will become a permanent feature of Western society because means and ends are always the same. And much worse is yet to come. You know, I've lost track of all the utterly disgusting videos I have seen of completely innocent and good people being arrested and fined by their own police simply for trying to exist as normal human beings. How can anyone in his right mind possibly think that any of this has to do with a flu virus? You know, I'm under no illusion that the narratives heard regularly on this show have absolutely nothing in common with the narrative we keep getting from the mainstream each and every day. And for that, I'm thankful, because they are the enemy. And no, they're not the far left. They're just left, because their death cult has continually demonstrated that they have been just wrong so far on everything they advocate. And for our part, to borrow the phrase I cited earlier in the show, we've never been far right but just right so far. And we will continue to be just right as we head into the next chapter of this never-ending two-week-to-flatten-the-curve COVID-19 pandemic turned case-demic. 
So be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. You've caught him near the munitions factory? You're acting very suspicious. What was he doing? Nothing. That's what made us suspicious. Certainly a man has the right to do nothing if he wants. Since when? Obviously a new man. <laughs>